Every now and then I'm asked by a friend or a colleague, how's the cathedral doing? And I love this question. I spend a lot of time thinking about that question, even when I'm not being asked. Um, And when I answer it, I think about usually something recent that's gone on. So when I was asked this past week, how's the cathedral doing? I thought about the fact and I shared, gosh, two or three weeks ago, we had nine baptisms. Wow. Um, The cathedral's never about numbers, but those are great numbers. I think about the fact that last Sunday I was invited um, between services to join this group that's existed here for a few years now called Stargazers. They're shepherded by Alexis Hertel. It's a group of um, women who are widows who in the last few years or, or a couple of decades have lost their husband and they gather monthly and they ask me to come and, and, and sit with them and listen to them. And they're just they're amazing people. And there were 20 all gathered there. And I, I think about how powerful that conversation was, and I think about what Susie Jorgensen told me. She's in that group. She said, if you ever talk about us, ever, tell them that, yes, we cry, but we laugh even more. They're just this amazing community of, of support and of wisdom if you ever need them, if you ever need them. I think about the fact um, that we have a new person on staff in, in the last several months who's an accountant. We have a new accountant, and her name is Joy. I've never had an accountant named Joy. And she's wonderful. She lives her name. She's joyful and smart and loves this place and loves all of you, and it's just, just wonderful. I'm so lucky to work with this staff and so lucky that we have joy now on our team. I think about all those things. Um, yes, there are difficulties and we always have a conundrum or two or 10, but the cathedral's doing well. And that's largely thanks to all of you, your presence, your prayers, your generosity, all of your personalities. I also know that question is, is more complex than it looks. The cathedral is, is a spiritual community that's made up, literally, of about 2,000 individual members, give or take. And probably a few hundred people that think they're members but technically aren't. Um, but, but, you know, kind of all of this. Um, that we're a body, we're a community of, of, of individuals. So you can't just, when you think about how we're doing, I, I can't just think about how we're doing collectively. I think about how you and I are doing individually. For example, the people on the prayer list and so many other people. I think about, um, I've got, we've got two burial services this week. Tomorrow we'll bury Frank Zosky, one of the cathedral's most colorful characters. Thursday, we'll bury Sharon Boatwright, a wonderful woman who was a longtime member of Katie's Bible study on Tuesdays. I think about Kate Dykstra, who's usually seated in the first row as a server and on our vestry, who's anxiously awaiting any moment now, any minute now, the birth of her first child. And on and on. How the cathedral is doing can be answered by how 
each of us is doing individually. We're that wonderfully complex. And that's why I just love, I just love this image that Paul uses in the letter to the Romans. That the church is a body, in his own language, we who are many are one body in Christ. This is where that language that we use almost every Sunday comes from when we send the people out that are, that are Eucharistic visitors taking communion to, to homes and hospitals and nursing homes and such. This is where that language comes from, and it parallels the exact same language in 1 Corinthians 12, the great chapter right before the really great chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the one on love. The one on love is preceded by 12. <laughs> Um, and it's the language about the church being a body made up of individual members. I've got to tell Joy I can count backwards. <laughs> it's this incredible image. Now, it's not original to Paul. Paul walked around and traveled the Greco-Roman world where statuary was, was common, statues of people, statues of gods and goddesses, and these statues of the human body captured the human imagination for all sorts of reasons. What was also very common philosophically was for um, politicians, philosophers, to use the human body as an image for what it meant to be a society, a, a body politic and to argue for a kind of organization and order um, and, and such. But what's really original to Paul within that setting is that he uses this, this um, image of the body for the church as an argument for diversity and equality. Every part of the body, that is every individual, matters as much as every other part or individual. I think about um, that image, especially as we're getting ready for fall and as summer winds down. And I think there's a, there's a third category of, of, of gatherings that Paul's not talking about that's implied. When we gather not as 2,000 people or several hundred like today and not as an individual, when we gather in small groups, when we gather in small groups. So I want to look ahead to the calendar and tell you a little bit about what's going on this fall because I think it relates. Um, will you stick with me? Okay. A quarter of you nodded, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to tell Joy Poole, the accountant, that's pretty good in my world. Beginning on September the 17th, Sunday School of Formation comes back. And, and I really want you to hear this because it happens before, often before you arrive. So you need to come early, 1030 folks. You need to come early. It starts at 915. The adult forum is at 915 in Dagwell Hall on the other end of the campus. We've got an amazing fall um, planned. The first three classes, I'm going to lead those. And I'm so excited about this. I'm going to do a series on sacraments. Baptism, Eucharist, the other sacraments. But really what we're going to talk about is, is not just sacraments in church, but how these sacraments in the Episcopal Church become a lens through which we realize that we live in a sacramental universe. That wherever we are, 
God is always using material things to reach us and touch us and communicate with us spiritually. We've also got other classes at 915, all classes for children, thanks to Tina Clark, are wonderful, anchored by Godly Play. All these youth programs and events for the fall led by Sarah Strand, our amazing youth minister. We've, we've got it all. Pay close attention, especially as September 10th arrives. Also on Sundays, the first Sunday of the month, beginning this fall, we have three ways of gathering to eat together. One of which you know about because we've been doing it for a few years. Um, the first Sunday of the month, Deacon Jack can take six, seven, eight of you um, over to St. Francis Apartments on our campus. We can enjoy a free sandwich and get to know some of our closest neighbors that live in the St. Francis Apartments, that wonderful building that's permanent supportive housing for many, many people that live on our campus. The second way you can gather to eat, thanks to Amy Newell-Large and a couple lay people, there's something called Joyful Feasting. It's a monthly potluck. They've already had two. I've been to one. It was wonderful. Um, great way to get to know other people. And then last but not least, a new program that Tina Clark is um, leading called Nourish. And Nourish is for parents, and it's a, uh, it'll be a monthly catered meal that's already been paid for, and just time to be together, some light programming when you want that, no programming when you don't want it, and time together as parents where your children are, are, are cared for um, outside of that meal. Beginning on September 20th, Cathedral Night comes back. It's just a great night. And what Cathedral Night is, I'm going to belabor this for a moment because so many of you are new, Cathedral Night begins with a 5.30 p.m. Eucharist that usually takes its, its focus on the saint of the day or of the week. Saints are, are, are part of this body, our spiritual ancestors, whom we really remember at that particular service. A home-cooked meal at 6 p.m. and followed by some programming at 7 that's all focused on these new spirituality groups that Amy Newell-Large has shepherded. And here's what they're called. You ready? I don't know that you are. You ready? <laughs> Sages, and it stands for spiritual awareness and growth in everyday situations, sages. Yes, when Amy explained it to me, I laughed too, and I said, but I'm not one. <laughs> and she said, that's the point. So it's for aspiring sages like me and probably most of you. Also during the month of October, Katie will be leading the catechumenate class. That's an antique word that means basically the newcomers class. If you're new or newish to the cathedral, want to learn more about being an Episcopalian, being a member here at the cathedral, that really is the class for you. I know that many of you enjoy being here because there are opportunities not just to think and learn and pray, but opportunities to roll up your sleeves. And we've got many of those, but I want to highlight two for the fall. Every second Saturday, Susan Ritter and Deacon Jack lead something called Second Saturdays, where they take you to one of our closest nonprofit partners. And on September the 9th, they're going to take you to a great one that's just down the street called um, Network Coffee, a wonderful coffee house for people experiencing homelessness in our neighborhood. Great way to roll up your sleeves, get to know our neighbors, um, and get involved. And last but not least, I asked Amy, because she's Shepherd's Cathedral Night, um, how are you doing on cooks? Do you have enough cooks? That's what we're always talking about. And she said, I do, but I need dishwashers. 
So if you, if you want to be a dishwasher, see Amy or me after the service. We really need you. And I also think about, um, in light of Paul's words to the Romans, and it reminds me that, that dishwashers are as important as sages. Um, all of it matters in this body. All of it matters. It's powerful to gather. It's powerful to be together. It's powerful to hear Paul's words about being the body of Christ right before we receive the body and blood of Christ. The rhythm of this community, the rhythm of this place is that we are the body of Christ and we're continually receiving the body of Christ, becoming what we've already received. And we do that over and over again because it's easy to forget who we are and we need reminders that collectively and individually we are loved unconditionally by Jesus Christ and every part of this body matters equally.